Hello, and welcome... There is a uh, quote now for this uh, American Philanthropy, uh, second edition of my Bremer book that I'd like to read. This is actually the editor's note. As we mentioned, uh, this was updated uh, 28 years after it was first written. And so now that we've established, right, the United States uh, was able to quickly and exceptionally create uh, great prosperity uh, by, right, um, for whites by being um, douchey to all of the non-whites. And certainly back at this point, right, in the late 1700s, no one's considering Jews to be white. Uh, Jews are really a, a little more complicated <laughs> yeah, tell uh, me about it. Uh, issue in, <laughs> in, the, in the settlement period. Indeed. Uh, so anyway, uh, the editor uh, um, took some time to write a little preface, uh, and I'd like to read this first paragraph. <clears throat> um, Dad paid for me to get a theater degree, so this is, you All finally right. get to enjoy the, the fruits of them. We have long thought of ourselves immodestly as a nation of philanthropists. But in our generation, American private philanthropy has dwarfed all our earlier good works, and the United States government has become a philanthropist on an unprecedented scale. Having cast ourselves in the role of a philanthropic nation, only to be blamed all over the world for our short-sightedness and selfishness of our good works, we should now try to discover precisely what our tradition has been. Now, I agree with that. And, and, and I think what I'm going to do is try to make this more complicated. <laughs> I've just said that, you know, we were unique uh, in terms of landing in this, this wondrous place with all these resources alongside the, the devoted uh, uh, crusade for wealth and prosperity that led to oppression and so on. We also had a deep and abiding Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes the picture uh, very, very uh, complicated. Uh, the best way I can talk about this is that the, the speech or sermon that John Winthrop gave aboard the Arbella, which everybody talks about because it mentions that America is to be the city on the hill. Mm-hmm. Well, the title of that sermon is uh, A Model of Christian Charity. And the idea in there that does not get as much play as City on the Hill is that out of Christian love, one who has a lot is required to give to those who have very little. That there is this Christian notion that that uh, uh, success is not really yours, it's God's. Uh, and that you are only... Uh, the bearer of it, the holder of it temporarily. And one of the things you should do is to help your less fortunate neighbors. And that mm-hmm. Christian tradition is v- very strong in American life. Yes, I have heard Christians tell me that um, that's why the poor exist. Well, that's pejorative. I, yeah, I find it. I don't like it when they say that. Um, <laughs> but is that a, that's a, that's generally a Christian. That's part of what you're talking about. This Christian tradition. Yeah, because that, I don't think there's any reason that that the Christian Christian tradition has to necessarily go to some poor for whom God has created uh, as a, a, see, a place for you to 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 show your love. Uh, I just think it's just a, a natural way, and I think you have to put it in the context of of the prior six or eight hundred years of European history, where Aristocrats didn't think that. 
aristocrats didn't think that, you know, they had 800 peasants working their land and it was part of their job to extend Christian charity uh, to those people. Uh, those people were, were almost uh, uh, dehumanized in, in a lot of ways. There's very little of this and, and that Christianity, and, and I'll be honest with you, primarily Protestant Christianity uh, has this notion that the rich have an obligation mm. uh, to use their wealth, not for luxury, not for debauchery, not for high living, but a good part of it has to go to help other people. But it seems to me, when it comes to Christian charity, and perhaps I'm only familiar with the bad examples, uh, but they don't seem to want to eliminate poverty. It's about, it. it's, it's sort of, I think the famous example is Mother Teresa, who yeah. believed that these people were, like the, their humility was right. sort of um, well, I think the one key thing, to their sanctification. One, one thing that everybody, I think, who thinks about philanthropy has to decide one way or the other, and that is the phrase, the poor will always be with us. Now, whether you believe that or not, that's going to shape a lot of what you think about philanthropy. Mm. Yes, indeed. And, um, I mean, you can go, I, that's obviously a, an endless debate. I think that there is probably a very large generational shift between us and that. Would you think most of your peers of your age believe that, yes, there will always be poor people? Well, I think there were really endless shifts. I mean, for example, in the late 19th century, there was a very, very strong Darwinist movement that suggested there would always be the, the poor hmm. and that there was an inevitable result of the struggle. Hmm. Uh, and that... that, that uh, and in this case, in the hardest notions of social Darwinism, the idea here was that the poor should just die off. Right. And that that was just the, the way of the world. That was the way nature was read in, in tooth and claw and, and, and to go down and to actually provide charity uh, was wrong. You were just putting off the inevitable. Fascinating. The, um, and in fact, there are, I think today you'll find some folks, and there's lots of different theories on this, and like some of the really nuanced theories about some of this stuff is that you'll have folks say that it is in fact bad. Uh, if, you care, if you truly care about homelessness, uh, you should not give money directly to folks on the street. Right. Um, because that's not an efficient use of funds. I've also heard from folks that that is in fact the best way to give. They know their needs better than, than others. Mm -hmm. um, right. I think sometimes the assumption is they're all going to go buy booze or whatever. Well, um, I think the thing here that should should come in, and that is the way that Marx and Marxists think about this, and that is that they look upon that kind of charity, you know, the 50-cent piece to the homeless person yeah. and so on, as just the bourgeois way of making himself feel comfortable. Uh, and, and this is the important point. That's the way you hold off revolution from below. Mm. You provide enough charity to keep those people from saying, maybe we should get some guns, right. uh, and so on. And I think you have to realize that by 1920, it had been 120 years of almost persistent revolutions. From 1789, uh, 1848, 1878, then the Russian Revolution, a big one, uh, in you know prior to 1920, uh, the idea of revolution from below was a lot more real then than it is now. Uh, yes, perhaps, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs>